All right. Get your Bibles out. Open up your Bible apps. If you do not have a Bible with you this morning, you're going to need one to follow along in. And if you don't have one, just go ahead and put your hand up. Our ushers are in the back. They're coming around with Bibles, and you can take one of those and use it to follow along in. And if you're receiving one of those Bibles and you currently don't have one of your own, just keep the one that you receive. Uh, take it with you and dig into it. Um, just a, a note to follow up on the baby dedication is simply this. Um, if this is a fairly new church to you and you have a child and um, you haven't dedicated that child to the Lord and you want to do it, please just let us know. Come and talk to me. Contact our office. Um, doesn't matter how old your kid is. It really doesn't. Um, just just take some, some time to dedicate your child to the Lord. and We'd be happy to help set that up for you. All right. Three times per year on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem as they walk together up the trail to the city and the temple where God's presence dwelled, the people of Israel sang through a series of 15 psalms called the Songs of Ascent. These psalms had, had become very, very familiar to them, and these psalms make up the current series of messages that we're working through on Sunday mornings right now. This is our series, and I have to say that I've truly enjoyed this journey so far. It's been a real blessing to me. Um, I think God's been doing some great things in our lives as we studied these psalms together and tied them into Jesus' journey and to our own journey as well. Um, part of me really wishes that we were doing this as we traveled together. I think that'd be really fun rather than just sitting here once a week learning together. So maybe someday we'll take a pilgrimage together and, and uh, do it that way. I think it would be great. But we do have the opportunity every week to not just learn together, but worship together and fellowship together, and that is an enormous privilege. And, and th those are three things that we share with the Israelites and their experience on those pilgrimages. We learn together like they learned together. We worship together like they did, and we enjoy fellowship together each Sunday, and these are all highlights for me personally. I love hearing what God says to you during our times here. Um, it's amazing how personal and specific he can be in what he directs me to say and how it reaches you. I love getting accused of preaching directly at you personally. Um, that's all God. That's his doing. Um, I love the sound of this church worshiping in song together behind me as I'm down up, up front here on Sunday mornings. I love the sight and sound of, of a church that, that never just rushes out the door after a service on Sunday. That makes me really, really happy. And so here we are again this morning, Chapel Hill. Um, we survived the storm of the century. Um, out in Prior Lake, we beat Egan out by about eight-tenths of an inch for total snow. So I'm real proud of that. Um, and, and, and now look at where we are again, right? It's beautiful and sunny and the snow's melting. All right, let's do some digging into the Psalms again, um, and I encourage you to embrace the things that we share with our family, with God's family from long, long ago. As they traveled, they sang together, and we just did the same. We sang about God's presence, about his character as our provider, and rather than go to where he's at, at the temple, we acknowledge together that he is here among us in this place and he is welcome here. We are his people. We are living stones being formed into God's temple, his dwelling place throughout history here. And we let God know that he is welcome here. We need him here. We want him here. 
We want him to accomplish his will in us as a church every time we're together. This morning, we're going to join Israel in a declaration of something that we may take for granted far too often. I know that I do. I need this reminder today, and so let's begin the psalm the same way they did back in the time um, that we're looking at as they walk the trail together. We're going to start by doing it this way. I'm going to say the first verse of Psalm 124, and then I'm going to ask you to repeat it with me out loud, a little participation to wake you up this morning. So here we go. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, so say that out loud with me. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. What a way to start a psalm. And that's exactly how they started Psalm 124. The first line was spoken and then David said, let all Israel say this. And and it was just a great way to start it. This psalm is going to declare something that we all need to acknowledge. And it's going to show us some perspective that I think is very, very helpful. So turn with me now to Psalm 124. Psalm 124, this is another psalm that David wrote, this is one of his, and he's doing some great reflecting here on just how significant God is in the lives of his people. Psalm 124, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, Then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. All right, I'm calling this a sandwich psalm, a sandwich psalm, all right? Um, This is a picture, had to look at it. It's a picture of a Canadian classic. This is a Montreal smoked meat sandwich. And this will be all I think about for the rest of the day. So, that's that with a side of poutine, and I'm, I'm a happy boy. The reason that I call it a sandwich psalm is because there are two statements, one at the beginning of this psalm and one at the end, that surround the mess in the middle. Um, We're going to talk about the mess in the middle, and we're going to address the statements at the beginning and end of Psalm 124, and I'll show you what I took away from this that was real encouragement for me. God's people have quite a history with trouble, and that is not the encouraging part. And this doesn't sit well with any of us. We may think that being God's people, we should have lives filled with comfort and security. I mean, after all, we belong to the king of kings, right? How could anyone be a threat to his children, to citizens of God's kingdom? We should be safe and secure and comfortable, soaking in all that he has to offer us and free from the harassment of our enemies. But, since sin entered the picture and Satan took his place as the temporary ruler of this world's kingdom, life has been a bit of a struggle. And that struggle goes way back, back to the time that this psalm was written and beyond that. Israel faced a lot. 
Many of the Bible stories that we learn as kids focus on Israel's time in Egypt as slaves and their deliverance from that trial. The people of Israel were captured and enslaved. They were overthrown and run out of their land multiple times. They were persecuted, attacked, harassed, threatened, and generally faced more crises than they really should have considering they were God's children. They were God's chosen people. At the time this psalm was written, Israel had a very powerful enemy. Their enemy was the Philistines. David was very, very familiar with the Philistines. They came against Israel many times, including a time that we're very familiar with if we grew up in the church when David stepped forward as a boy and took down the Philistines' main weapon, a giant named Goliath. Death at the hands of their enemies was a constant threat for Israel. And so in Psalm 124, David writes of this threat, using four pictures of what death could have been like for him and his people Israel. That's the smoked meat in our sandwich. Verses 3 to, three to 7 paint a picture of this struggle. The last part of verse 2 refers to people rising up against Israel. It had already happened many times before this. David talks about them being swallowed alive in verse 3. In their anger, Israel's enemies would have swallowed them up alive. Now, based on some stories from Israel's history, this phrase, swallowed us up alive, gave them a mental picture of a, an earthquake. In Numbers 16, God dealt with some enemies of his people by opening up the earth with an earthquake and swallowing some people alive and everything that they owned. It's a crazy story. Verses 4 and 5 speak of a flood of sorts. It's a picture of a flash flood exploding into what was a dry ravine and overcoming whoever stood in its path before they could escape. Verse 6 talks about predators attacking and eating their prey. Then verse 7 mentions a, a fowler and the traps that they set for birds. David's writing of the constant threat that there was to God's people back then. And this threat didn't exist only during David's time. They went on, it went on for centuries. A quick study of the New Testament church, led by the likes of Paul and Peter and John, reveals that they too faced some pretty extreme crises. After Jesus returned to heaven, the newly formed church found themselves under constant attack. And this was no small thing. After Jesus, the persecution of his church came hard and fast. The brand new flourishing church was scattered under extreme pressure. Followers of Jesus were persecuted to the point of torture and death. All but one of Jesus' disciples were martyred for their faith. Christians were burned alive, imprisoned, exiled, and the history books describe all kinds of horrifying things that were done to them. And no surprise, the, present, the pressure on God's church has continued to this day. We may not see it or experience it like the Israelites or the New Testament church did. But it's there. And honestly, I think you'd be horrified to hear about what happens to our brothers and sisters around the world. What's going to happen later today maybe going on right now, I want you to visit this website sometime. It's called icommittopray.com. 
icommittopray.com, but do it when you know you have a few minutes to, to read and stop and pray. This will give you a picture of what's going on in places that we never really follow. These are our brothers and sisters, and we really do need to advocate for them. Let's also take a realistic look at us. Compared to the nation of Israel, the New Testament church and God's church today in many parts of the world, we really have very little to complain about. Our culture is getting less and less friendly towards servants of Jesus, that's true. But honestly, being laughed at or rejected by someone because of what I believe has really been as tough as it gets for me and probably for you as well. The attack that we face is more customized by the enemy to suit our culture and designed to hit us where we're weak. And in general, the enemy comes directly at us. Directly at us. Rather than us having to face the attacks of other people. Yes, that happens, but it's not very common here. We fight internal battles, spiritual battles, relational battles, emotional battles, and things like that. They're real, just different. One thing that Jesus pointed out that's still very true today is this. In John 16, 33, Jesus said this. He said, I have said these things to you. He's referring to some teaching he had just done. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. That's pressure. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I now see this verse as a parallel of sorts to Psalm 124. For multiple reasons. Yes, life in this world and in this culture is is going to come temporarily with struggles. We're going to face them. Israel faced their struggles. The New Testament church faced their struggles. We face ours. But here's where I found tremendous encouragement in preparing this message. And believe me, I consider it an incredible privilege, Chapel Hill, to be able to invest so much of my time listening intently to what God's trying to say to me in his word. I can't thank you enough for this privilege. It really is amazing. One goofy way of saying this is going back to our sandwich analogy. In this sandwich psalm, we really need to do what I would never think of doing if I actually had a Montreal smoked meat sandwich in front of me. I have to get my focus off the middle of the sandwich. The psalm is not about the smoked meat, it's about the bread. At the beginning of the psalm, David says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. And then at the end of the psalm in verse 8, he goes back to that focus and says, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is where the Israelites needed to look. This is where the New Testament church needed to look. This is where we need to look. Um, This week, not coincidentally, I love how God does this, the men's group that I'm part of was looking at the subject of resilience. We're working through what the, the past few years has done to men and what we do with that. Um, We were encouraged to look at the impact of the events of the past few years and 
So let me show you a contrast here that relates directly to what we're seeing in Psalm 124. During my sabbatical last year, I spent a considerable amount of time reflecting on how the previous few years had impacted me. I took some assessments, made lots of notes, lamented more than a little, and then even looked back on my whole life and how I'd been shaped by some of the challenges that I've faced throughout my life. I have some dark chapters in my story. Uh, My middle school and high school days are hard to revisit for me. It was not a pleasant time. A lot of depression. I've spent some years alone. They were very, very hard. Um, I've lost a career as a cross-cultural missionary. And there's more. Here's what the world's culture, and especially our current Western culture, is telling me to do with all that. I'm to look at those times as times when I developed resilience. I'm to focus on how much stronger they made me and what a better person I am because of those times. And to some degree, there's truth in that. There is. I'm not just denying that. But if all that train of thought does is make me more proud of myself, I think I'm missing the point. I think David got the point. And I know Jesus got the point. And the point is not me. The point is God. Israel's struggles were not the point. Their struggles were not meant to draw their attention to how resilient they were becoming through all that they faced. Were they getting stronger? Yes, sometimes. Sometimes they just got whiny. The struggles faced by Jesus' disciples were definitely making them stronger. But sometimes those struggles made them deny even knowing Jesus. So I don't think that God's asking us to get the most that we can out of the troubles we encounter for the sake of building ourselves up and developing our own resilience. I think there's more to this. David recognized that Israel's enemies could have done them great harm. And they did. But David also recognized that God was still on the throne and God's people were still his people. They could have been completely destroyed by their enemies, wiped off the map and out of the history books. But they weren't. The Apostle Paul acknowledged more than once that he had been pushed to the breaking point. Paul actually bragged about all the struggles he faced. He could win any contest where the goal was to have had more struggles in life than your opponent. He was really weird that way. But Paul never made a goal of grabbing the spotlight and showing everyone how resilient he had become because of everything that he had endured. He had another goal in mind when boasting of his struggles. Let me give you one example. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 7 through 12. This is what Paul writes to the church. He says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show us that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to, to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken 
struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us but life in you. These are not the words of someone who wants people to be impressed with how well he's done at overcoming his struggles. Paul very clearly shines his light on Jesus and not himself. In Psalm 124, David did not write in such a way that we'd all be impressed with how Israel and uh, overcame their enemies. He didn't brag about how their enemies tried to swallow them up, sweep them away, eat them alive, or trap them, but Israel fought them off and won. Instead, David showed all of us that the reason why God's people are flourishing, even in this desolate world, is God. God is on our side. And without that church, we're dead. This world would overtake us. But God is on our side. And God takes care of his people. And here's the thing that really blew me away this week. As much as I'd like to think that my struggles have shaped me into the person I am today and made me stronger and more resilient... It was actually the help that I received that shaped me into the person I am and that will shape me daily into a person who more and more reflects the image of Jesus Christ. Verse 1 from our psalm, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Verse 6 in the middle is this, blessed be the Lord. And he talks about God rescuing them. Verse 8, our help is in the name of the Lord. And this is our challenge today, church. In all that we've faced as God's chosen people, there has always been a force at work in our lives. And that force is God. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, we would have been overtaken by our challenges long, long ago. But we haven't been. Instead, we are more than conquerors, Jesus said. Jesus said after reminding us that we will have troubles in this world, that we're to take heart, to be encouraged because he, he has overcome the world. The last thing, move your thoughts to see beyond your own personal life as you process this. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, Chapel Hill Church would not exist this church would not be thriving in the midst of the desert. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, God's global church would have packed it in under the pressure 2,000 years ago. But all along, even to this day, God's people have acknowledged the fact that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth.
And he is worthy of our praise for all that he has done to sustain us. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up now as we close our time together in song. Remember this, church. It's not us. It is Christ in us. Let's pray together. And take a moment now before God, before I pray on our behalf. To just say to God, God, my help is in your name. Acknowledge that he's winning the battle. And be encouraged by that. Father, we praise you this morning for this reality. If it hadn't been for the fact that you're on our side, things would be very different right now. If it hadn't been for the fact that you kept your hand on Israel, even in times when they were so small and weak compared to the forces around them in the world, things could be very different right now. If it had not been for the fact that you had your hand on your church, the church that Jesus started, the church that included us, extended the reach of your gospel to the whole world, if it had not been for the fact that you were on the side of that New Testament church, we know we'd be in a very different place right now. Father, we praise you because you sustain us. You give us strength. You are our help. And we acknowledge that it's you doing this and it's not us. It's not, it's not us just drumming up the strength we need to overcome the things that we face. It's you on our side the whole time. It's, it's the help that comes in your name. It's the help that comes from you. It's the reality that it's Christ in us. And because we have Christ in us, we are overcomers because he overcame. And I praise you that one day this battle is going to be over permanently. And we will live with you in peace for all of eternity no threat whatsoever at any time. So God, as we face the things that we do on a daily basis, internal and external pressures, I ask that you would help us to remember the fact that our help is in your name. Our strength, all that we need, comes from you. God, I ask that you would help us to acknowledge that before we even get into crises, before we're facing challenges, that every day would begin with us asking you for help for the day, asking for our daily bread from you, asking for your presence and your power in our lives so that when we do face challenge and crisis, it'll be much easier to see you and acknowledge the fact that it, if it wasn't for the fact that you were on our side. Thanks for being on our side. 
Thanks for loving us, providing for us, protecting us, being with us every moment of every day. Thank you that you came to dwell in us, that Jesus left his spirit to live in us so that our help is right there in anything that we face. Thanks for being our provider, a loving father, a perfect shepherd, our king. We praise you for this in the name of Jesus Christ, your son.